Good everyone. Hope you're doing well. Uh, good to see you. Uh, we are continuing today our, well, I say continuing like we've been doing it a long, long time. We started last week uh, our study of the first few chapters of the book of John, uh, Encounters with Jesus. Uh, it's a title that I stole from someone, but uh, I believe it accurately describes what I want us to do. Uh, we're going to look at the last section of John chapter 1. Uh, we'll talk about verses 35 to 42, but 43 to, excuse me, to 51 is what I want us to concentrate on. Last week, we, before we look at these encounters that Jesus has with individuals or groups of people, we talked about, well, who is Jesus? Uh, we said that he's God, he's man, uh, but more specifically, he's the God-man. He's a perfect, uh, uh, perfect unified, perfectly unified in one person. He's 100% God, 100% man, uh, and why we needed him to be that. Man sinned, so we needed a man to pay the penalty, but only God can ultimately satisfy God, so we needed him to be both. So <clears throat> in light of this is the creator, redeemer of all things, he's come to this earth for us. He's the one that's having these interactions with these, in these stories that we're going to study. So let me read for us uh, John 1, beginning in verse 43. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Lord, we thank you for uh, our time this afternoon. We thank you for this food you've given us. We thank you for this time of fellowship. Uh, Lord, we pray your blessing upon the study of your word. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you call us to follow you, that you call individuals and you call us in many different ways at many different times in our life, but ultimately you do call. You would give us hearts that trust you, that desire to follow you, and Lord, that we would go out in the same way and call others to come and see, to come and see about this Jesus that we love and that we trust and in whom we have hope. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> I recognize, uh, before I even use this illustration, this is a very generational illustration. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with uh, social media, uh, there are several social media sites, but one is called Twitter. Twitter uh, is where you follow somebody, right? You don't like them or ask them to be your friend like on Facebook. You follow them, quite literally. You you just, you click a button and you follow what they post. So the things that they like, the pictures that they post, you can follow celebrities, any number of people. You follow them, literally. <laughs> what do they do? What do they like? You almost, in a sense, can live vicariously through these people. Now, to some of you, that might cause you to roll your eyes, and why would you ever want to follow somebody like that? Well, you just don't understand. <laughs> uh, it's, it's something that's very, uh, you may follow a pastor, he may post inspirational things, Bible verses, so it can be redemptive, uh, but it also can be very 
uh, narcissistic and wrong. Uh, we follow Jesus not in the same way that you follow someone on Twitter. No, we follow him because of who he is. You may follow someone on Twitter or follow a friend because of what they can do for you or how they make you feel or maybe because you envy them in some way. But what we see from this story and from the, and from the story that precedes this is they weren't following Jesus, or at least what they said, because of what he could do for them, but because of who Jesus was. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God, following him for who he is. Jesus is a true leader. He's a true servant. He is someone who shows us about sacrifice and selflessness. He is someone who is worthy of being followed in that sense, but ultimately because he is the Son of God, as we talked about last week. So I want us to talk about this passage first. The first observation is, why do people follow Jesus? I've already mentioned it. They follow him because of who he is, but let's go deeper with that. <clears throat> in the preceding section, Jesus calls Peter and Andrew to follow him. He's beginning his public ministry, and as a lot of rabbis did, they had an entourage, if you will. They had a following, a group that would follow them. He would teach them about his ways, and they may go out and do the same. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's, he's forming his group, his disciples. And the next day, he comes to Philip. And he says, follow me. I think it's interesting. You notice that nobody really puts up a fight. <laughs> nobody, nobody asks some questions maybe that you or I would ask. Well, who are you again? You know, what, where am I following you to? What are we going to be doing while I follow you? What, why, should I, why should I? Well, it seems to me, I don't have, can't, uh, this is only speculation, but perhaps these disciples had some sort of a working knowledge of who Jesus was prior to him calling. We don't know much about the reason for their responses, only that they believed it was a good idea to follow this man who had called them. But notice their responses. We have found the Messiah. We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. They had a reason for it. Okay? Maybe they knew. Okay, They'd heard whispers about this man. Maybe he is the fulfillment. Maybe he is the long-awaited Messiah, the one we've hoped for. In other words, they were doing this on good evidence, not just blind trust or a, a foolish decision. They followed Jesus because of who he was. <clears throat> we follow people today, whether it's on Twitter or you're just particularly attracted to someone, uh, for their charisma, for their they're attractive, they're a good speaker. Uh, you follow them be, for what they can do for you. Okay? Christ, we follow him because of who he is. Christ is in the flesh calling disciples to follow him, but what did that mean for them? Not an easy life. In fact, most of them would be martyred. Uh, not a call to riches. Most of them would be wanting materially. Uh, they're not following, again, here's the premise of this first point. They're not following Jesus because of what he can do, but for who he is. <clears throat> By God's grace, let our discipleship with him be on the exact same terms. We'd follow him. He's God. He's the living God come to live in this earth for us, to live perfectly for us. He is the one that's deserving of our discipleship, deserving of following him, being obedient to him. He doesn't have to prove himself. He already has. But even more than that, it's because of who he is. We offer praise and adoration to people all the time who don't truly deserve it. We praise athletes or political figures or movie stars or authors it's okay to be impressed by what they do. You can be impressed at someone's athletic prowess or 
how they play a particular role in a movie or maybe an author, how they're able to tell a story. But often we take it more than that. We want to follow them and listen to them as if they have things figured out in the world. It's all interesting. So often we will we'll, we'll post a quote from a movie star about uh, life and uh, somehow they, they know better since they have been successful. They know better how to, how to carry out religion or to carry out morality. We're unwilling to listen to God and his word. These disciples are choosing to follow Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's the fulfillment of prophecy. The second observation in this first point is the various ways in which Jesus calls people. Peter, Andrew, and Philip got called by Jesus in a way that we didn't get called by Jesus. He was not in a physical body in front of us calling us, okay? They literally were called by Jesus in the flesh. But that's not everyone's story. Some are called by different means, taking different paths. If we all got up here today, we would share a different testimony. God called me when I was very young. God called me just a few months ago. He called me through a person. He called me through a dream. He called me through this. He called me this way and that way. All are legitimate. It's something akin to the parable of the vineyard workers in Matthew chapter 20 when Jesus, uh, the vineyard worker, goes out and he's calling people to come work in his vineyard at different points in the day, uh, pointing towards people are called at different points in their lives, but yet the salvation is the same. We all have different stories upon hearing God's call to us, follow me. Have you heard that call from him? Follow me, child, follow me. It means we don't look at someone else and say, well, that's an illegitimate way to come to him. We all are called in different ways. We all feel that burning desire to know God more, to, to understand his word more. It's a journey that I experienced that it was not in a moment, as it may have been for some of you. It was a two-and-a-half-year process. I'd grown up in the church. I'd, knew, uh, I'd known about God for a long time, but it, in, a, in a span of about two-and-a-half years was I really introduced to Jesus and the grace that he offers through himself. I didn't know that before. I just thought it was a process, a list of do's and don'ts, a religion to observe, not a person to actually trust. But at the bottom of all this, what really does matter? Do you see yourself as sinful? And are you repentant over that sin? Do you see yourself as needy? And does Jesus meet that need? Because he offers to meet your greatest need. Is Jesus lovely to you? Do you yearn to obey him and listen to his voice, to study his word? <clears throat> what do you do with your sin? Are you trying to starve it? You star John Owen says you starve indwelling sin by feeding yourself deeply on his word. Sin cannot abide in his word. Are you filling your hearts and minds with scripture or your hearts and minds with something else? Are you filling your hearts and minds with Jesus and how he loves you? or with someone else you might be following? Are you daily cultivating your new life in Christ? If you've been following Christ for any amount of time, you know that it is a battle. It's a struggle. It's a roller coaster. There are days when you draw near to him, and there are days when I can't believe I have turned to that sin and turned away from him again. You desire deliverance from your sin. You desire to have to put to death, to have victory over the individual things in your life? Are you humble before him? So why do people follow Christ? Well, as we see in this passage, it's the result of a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. 
Have you had that? Do you remember what it was like? Do you remember that day? Do you remember that period of time? Don't forget it. What's happened since then? Everything's been perfect, right? No worries, no struggles. (laughs) Everything's been smooth sailing. No, it hasn't been that way. It wasn't promised to be. It's been that roller coaster. It's been times when you felt near to him. Are you praying that he would draw you near each day? Consistently practicing those means of grace that give strength for this life. Number two, what does it mean to invite others to follow Jesus? Before we start inviting, have we met him? Are we following him? Well, this passage also shows what it means to invite others. We don't know much about Philip the disciple. We have limited exposure to who he is and his story. But we do see him being a very effective personal witness. Not just because his method worked, although it seemed to, but he also shows where his trust is. Here's what I mean. Clearly, Nathaniel has a very low estimation of Nazareth and anyone that might come from that town. (laughs) So what does Nathaniel do? He doesn't, now wait a minute, you know, get off Nazareth's back. You know, let, let's talk about this. He doesn't come out with all these arg- all this argumentation. He says, why don't you just come and see? Just come and see about it. You don't believe this Jesus could be, anyone from this town could be legitimate, could be really be the Son of God. Well, then just come and see. What can we learn from Philip's response? He just wants his friend Nathaniel to come and see this Jesus. Come have a conversation with him. Come meet him. He doesn't have all the answers. He doesn't pretend to have all the answers. He responds to this really prejudicial comment from Nathaniel with, well, then why don't you just come and see for yourself? Okay, Nathaniel, you think this is a bunch of hooey? Then come and see this man and listen to him. He invites him to come and see. This is a great directive for us as well. We invite our friends and our family members and our coworkers. Okay, you have things that you don't believe about Christianity, you, you, all these beliefs that you think defeat the validity of Scripture or what it teaches, then why don't you just come and see for yourself? Why don't you come and listen? Why don't you devote four weeks, six weeks, a couple of months to coming and listening to God's Word and it preached? Why don't you just come and see? You don't have to have all the right answers. You don't have to put the pressure on yourself. Invite them to come and see. Philip invites him because he has great confidence in who this Jesus is. It's not, well, I hope Jesus says the right thing. I hope hope this all really works out. He knew who he was bringing him to and the truth that he was going to hear. This Jesus is what the law and the prophets were speaking of. All the sacrifices, Nathaniel, all the ceremonial laws, the law itself, its enormous demands, the prophets, they're all pointing to the suffering servant, and it's this man, Jesus. Inviting people to follow Jesus means inviting them to come and see. Nathaniel was full of doubts, but that didn't matter to Philip. (laughs) Come and see this Jesus. Let us glean from this wisdom from him. (laughs) Can we really confidently know, you might ask a friend this, can you really confidently know the real value of Christianity if you haven't explored it yourself? Are you just regurgitating things that you heard from friends or from the media or something else? Have you really examined it yourself? You know, the watch word, the watch phrase of, of the media, perhaps the unbelieving world, is do you have an open mind? Well, use that against them. <laughs> do you have an open mind? Are you open-minded enough to come and see, to come and explore Christianity? If you want to get someone to taste 
If you want to get someone to taste food that you really enjoy, what do you tell them? Just take a bite. Tell me what you think. Is this lasagna as good as I tell you it is? If you want someone to watch a show that you love, just give, give me an episode. Give me ten minutes. I'm, I'm telling you, you're going to love it. When you want someone to love something, just ask them to give it a try. Just come and see. Come with me one Sunday. Come with me for a couple of months. <clears throat> the directive from Philip's life of trying to get others to see Christ is to ask them to come and check it out for themselves. And that day, or, or those days that they come, they will hear about Christ. They will hear him sung about, read about. They will hear him exalted in a sermon. And perhaps that day they will hear the call that we have heard of follow me. But notice the invitation will be upon about who Jesus is and not who we are. We're not calling them to come and hear. Come and hear the great arguments that I have. Come and hear and see this Savior that we trust and love. Are you calling people to come and see us? Are you calling them to come and see Jesus? Are we pointing people to Christ just as Philip does? So lastly, who is Jesus? I know we answered this last week, but... Jesus tells us a lot about himself in these closing verses. Jesus is God and man perfectly woven together. We mentioned that. He's the creator and redeemer, and he shows some of his supernatural power and knowledge of Nathaniel in these final verses. This makes a huge impression upon Nathaniel. Yes, I saw you sitting under the tree earlier. <laughs> Jesus responds to him, that impressed you? <laughs> there." There's much more that I can show you and do for you that should give you far more reason to praise and be impressed. Well, what's Jesus referring to exactly? Well, if you have a Bible, there's probably a footnote that says uh, this is talking about or referring to back in Genesis chapter 28, verse 12, the story where Jacob falls asleep and he has this dream of a stairway and there's angels ascending and descending. It's showing the connection that's coming between heaven and earth. Jesus says the reality of that dream. It's calling to mind this. Christ is the stairway. It's, it's no longer all these, all these sacrifices, all these laws. We don't need them anymore. Jesus is connecting us to God. <clears throat> Did Nathaniel really see heaven opened? No, it's probably pointing us back to that story and saying Christ is this reality. He's the one who connects. When you invite others to church, you're inviting them into the presence of the almighty God that they might see heaven and earth connected through Jesus Christ. Are you following him? Are you following Jesus this day? Not just with your mouth, not just conceptually. Not Are you actually following him? Doing what he asks of you? Loving him? Trusting in him? And you are, in, are you inviting people to come and see about him? Come and, get to, come and take a bite. Come and give me some time. If you really want to have an understanding of it, come and give it a try. Has God called you? Are you unashamedly doing so by his power, desiring obedience that you might trust him more? Do you take God more seriously than you might take the people that you follow on a social media account? He bids you to take up your cross and follow him. Are you doing that? It's a challenge, yes, but it's more a a question of introspection. What does it mean for me to follow him, to love him, and to invite others to come and see? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this story. Uh, We thank you 
for your disciple Philip and the clear trust that he had in you. Lord, that we would have the same. Lord, he trusted in who you were. He knew that if people would come to you, they would see your power, they would see your love and grace and mercy. And Lord, we, we pray for that same confidence. Lord, that you would save our unbelieving friends and family members. And Lord, that you'd give us boldness to invite them to come and see. Lord, that they would, and that they would be one into the kingdom of God. And we ask these things in Christ's name, amen.